Welcome to Clement Insiders, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of Europe's Clement Tech Revolution, brought to you by Clementum Capital. I'm Johan Berno, a general partner at Clementum, and I'll be your host. In each episode, I'll have one of Europe's top founders and investors, and we will try to understand how they think about climate, what has led to their success, and what are the best insights they can share with you to accelerate your climate journey. There will be a lot of terrific guests on this show, and we won't shy away from spikes, secrets, and contrarian views. To make sure you don't miss out on any episode and access all the insights, you can subscribe at climateinsiders.co. Hey guys, I'm delighted to receive Antoine Hubert, the CEO of Insect, the world's largest insect farming startup based out of France. They were founded in 2011, and today they count more than 230 employees. They have raised more than 450 million euros, which is half of all the investment made in the insect farming sector to date. They are considered the first climate tech unicorn out of France, and the only one in the insect farming space globally. I'm super excited to give a mic to Antoine, who isn't doing this kind of interview often. He's such an inspiring entrepreneur and a great human being. Let's try to get as much wisdom as we can from him, Let's go. Antoine, I'm honored to have you on Climate Insiders. Welcome. Hello, Johan. Thank you for having me. Very happy to be with you today. Great. Tell us about Insect's history. You started it in 2011, raised a monster round in 2021, and now you're off to the races with an expansion in the US and, and go, go, you know, going all over the, the, the map. Uh, can you briefly speak about those 10 year of life and death and, and the <laughs> yes. key pivotal moments, maybe. Yeah, long story short, <laughs> uh, 10 years, almost 11 years journey. We started with my uh, three other co-founders, Jean-Gabriel, Fabrice and Alexis in Paris, convinced that insect will be a, will play a critical role in our food chains um, and being part of the food chain sustainability. Uh, so this is what we built, insect. Uh, we say we reinvent the food chain. And food chain means that we have products with insects that are embracing all this chain from the, from the soil, how we feed the microorganism in the soil, but also the plants, the farmed animals, fish, poultry, pigs, the pets. We have home, cats, dogs, birds, until the humans. So like the, the microorganism of the soil to the microbiome in our gut as humans. So that's the full continuum of products we deliver from insects we farm in our vertical farm uh, and we farm beetles. So um, in 10, 11 years, what happened? So we, we took first year of research innovation, took a while to also to find a good insect and we selected mealworms, beetles, as the, the, we found the most interesting one in terms of product quality, benefits for plants, animals, and humans, and so the scalability of the model, how to farm it in a competitive way with the technology. And as they were not jumping uh, no, and non-flying, uh, we, uh, we got also a lot of interest from this species over time. So it was the first step, I think, the early days, 2011 to uh, 2013, uh, 14, with the first fund 14, with the first fundraising happening with Demeter early 2014. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we started to, to go a bit, to scale a bit more from the lab to a small prototype, a bigger prototype, uh, till um, a demo plant, which, is get, which was gathering all the technology in the single place in Burgundy. So this vertical farm where we farm the beetle, 
and we process them into ingredients started in we started to deliver our first customers late 16 so like five years ish uh, ago uh, a pet food company who, who is still a customer today so that was another pivotal moment started really to deliver customers with our products um and then we 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 grew this uh, this demo plant in between we had a second fundraising with new protein capital in singapore then with with Eco Technology BPI also, uh, mm-hmm. uh, let 16 to really to run the plant to be able to deliver more customers, get uh, off-tech contracts, and it was successful. Uh, today we have 150 million uh, contracted revenue, mainly from this because of the products we have been delivering from this small site, and also since the, the with the other site we we acquired last year. A company called Protifarm, who was the la- the largest company after us in the mealworm, I would say, segment. So they, 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 we add up another site uh, in Netherlands to also to increase the delivery of our customers. In between, with the success of the, this site in Burgundy, we could start to engineer the next phase, which which was having a farm at scale. And this farm at scale is what is now almost ready and that will, which is being commissioned today and to start by the end of the year. Uh, with insect, uh, which is in Amiens. So the flagship plant, this one uh, uh, will be fully profitable. L- the largest plant you can imagine on insect in the world because it's almost four, uh, uh, four th- 40,000 square meters on 40 meters high, roughly. So it's pretty uh, a pretty impressive one. And the scaling of the technology we had in uh, Burgundy, similar to what we have in, uh, in, uh, in the Netherlands too, but with an improved efficiency and from all the learnings we got, on the way. So now we have this big one uh, uh, there. We have this contracted revenue that goes beyond what Amiens can deliver in the next two or three years. So we are now also working on what's next and, and we need to uh, develop further farms, at least one, two, to deliver this increased demand that even this big site uh, is not able to address because already fully saturated. So from innovation to industrialization and now internationalization, that was, I would say, the free uh, main uh, steps over the past 10 years or so. Wow, so it, it definitely kept you busy. So now you're building full stack factories that are fully automated, right? From insect reproduction to sterilization, sorting and packaging. It sort of looks like the tex- Tesla Giga factory that they just opened in Texas, right? The Giga Texas. And mm. what are the <laughs> what are some of the biggest challenges building those factories? Do we even still know how to do that in Europe? I think it's... Um... When we started, there were there were three bottlenecks. One was about commercial commercial traction. One was about regulatory, and of course, one about technology. So we took a while to prove the quality of our products and why they were good, and that we have benefits on the animal health, plant health, human health also. And it's not just also about proteins; it's the quality of these proteins, what they bring to the the, the plants and animals and humans' metabolism. And um, and that, that took a while to get to this 150 million contracted revenue. We built also with a few uh, colleagues and competitors in the area, farming mealworms, but also flies or crickets. We gathered joint forces uh, with a lobbying group in uh, in uh, Brussels, and that helped to the commission to shape the the, the, the regulatory framework for insects. Nothing was uh, prepared there at this time. Uh, nobody thought about insects in the past. Uh, so we we help the commission and the structure, and now it's we, you can sell insects for for plants, for farm animals, for pets, and now also for humans. So it was the second I would say uh, issue uh, has been uh, cleared, 
and the and the last one technology indeed um actually in europe you have a lot of engineering companies technological companies i would say manufacturing experience uh us has been way more on digital development in startups and tesla and spacex are quite uh, particular ones i would say mm -hmm. Uh, they have also, you know, relied on some other experiences and knowledge, like from uh, Panasonic uh, for their JV and uh, and other also partners. So, I think in Europe we are, we we are I think in a good place to develop manufacturing businesses as we do at Insect. Uh, it's not easy because also that we can discuss that the depth of the capital market is pretty low. Uh, people are way more eager to invest in. Uh, um, uh, capital uh, light businesses, which is softwares and others, but we know for the transition that you can change consumer behaviors with platforms and digital tools. You can improve the supply chain with digital tools, but you need to change also what is in the pipe of the supply chain, what is the matter inside, uh, whatever the energy, uh, the food, the materials. So digital will help to optimize supply chain and consumption but you need to generate how you, you generate these goods otherwise we will we will never reach the 1.5 degrees targets uh, we will degrade even more the biodiversity i will say uh, 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 the global biodiversity on on land on on the water on the air so we we need to do something and that's more complicated because it requires more capital in the early days of the company pre large revenues uh, compared to digital platforms and that's the main thing, and I don't think it's more advanced in the US than Europe or Asia, it depends. Tesla and uh, SpaceX are specific cases uh, with big, I would say, big support from the states. We need to, to be aware of that. Uh, Obama yeah. supported without 400 millions of uh, Obama administration and uh, they, they, Tesla wouldn't be there uh, for in the early days without the, all the... The, the orders from the NASA and SpaceX wouldn't be there. So they, I mean, when you see the what BPI is doing in France, uh, some people say they do too much. Mm -hmm. When you look at what happened in the US, no, actually they, do, they should do even more. And it's the same for Europe, the, 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 the European Investment Fund, the B, uh, EIB and others. If we want to create uh, global champions, especially in manufacturing or life sciences, something which are pretty complex, it requires more capital than digital space. Right. No, that's a good point. Definitely subsidies, also venture capital funds have mm. a, a key role to play. Could you paint us a, a picture of the insect farming landscape in Europe just to get a sense of the level of competition today and, and what's going on from your chair? Um, I think there are about hundreds of companies farming insects in the world. Uh, Europe uh, has the largest, I will say, uh, share of it. For, I think okay. for different reasons, uh, because Europe was so far still, I think, the most dependent with Asia in terms of protein production, protein dependency. So 10 years, we speak today about protein for food sovereignty, energy sovereignty. 10 years, 12 years ago, we spoke about protein independency. So it's the mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, Europe is importing 50 to 70% of this protein needs from South America, from soy, Uh, fish meal from the uh, small fish from the oceans, milk also uh, proteins from uh, North America. So we are highly dependent. This is why also in the early days, even before our first funding round, we got subsidies from the States and later on from Europe because there were some call for tenders uh, uh, from research frameworks uh, supporting initiatives to 
develop local proteins because it's part of it's a geostrategic topic important for Europe to be less dependent. Yeah. So we are part of this answer. And this is why also regulation evolves quickly. I will say in a couple of years, not so fast, but still for Europe pretty fast because it's what it's an important tool for Europe to be less dependent. So it's it's they were also already anticipating this. And when you see COVID and the Ukraine war, it's even yeah. more important to to be able to do way more of your uh, food uh, uh, production within Europe, like for the energy sector. So this is what's, what happened in the, in the past and explain why Europe is leading, I would say, the, the segment. And with the regulatory framework in place, the most advanced one in the world, then you have more visibility, investors can pour money, and you have the most advanced insect companies in the world. We are clearly ahead in the mealworm farming. You have few other players leading in the fly segment, like Protix, uh, you have also Antera, you have Innovafeed, and a few others. Mm -hmm. And on crickets, there is a Canadian, yeah, is a Canadian company on crickets, no, less in Europe, but still in total companies, really or Europe leading. And now the numbers of funding on and IP also, IP is they are, they are leading. That. And IP, and we'll come back to it, and why you have uh, been so heavy on IP mm. and patent protection. I wanted to, to double click on, on what you just said, right? We definitely have a deficit of protein, right? And we are externally sourcing it. And yet, you are primarily producing mealworms for fish. It's a feed for fish mm. and potentially animals, but not for humans yet. The real question is, can um, you feed those, uh, those insect-based protein to humans soon, anytime soon, and, and we'll have the, the same nutrient-rich profile as equivalents today? Uh, actually, we are. Since the acquisition of Protifarm last year, we are on market for food. Okay. So we are really delivering... Uh, um, a nutrient ingredients for plants for farmed animals today's uh, fish and growing to chicken and pigs pets is pretty big for us cats dogs and birds at home is pretty big and pet food is really close to human food same kind of i would say uh, similar marketing but also similar safe food safety rules uh, very stringent on the quality of the product and this is what from pet food to human food there was a small, I would say, step. And with the acquisition of Protifarm, it accelerated us in this mm -hmm. market. So today we are, I think, the, the largest supplier of insect ingredients in uh, in Europe and I think even in the world uh, on this segment because it's pretty small yeah, at this stage. It's still small in our portfolio compared to fish, pets, and plants. But we have big, uh, I would say, um, big hope there. Uh, the products are excellent. We, we, as for everything, we do science with independent in universities testing the products. We could prove in the past that we can fully replace fish meal to feed fish, and fish are going better, faster, in better health. With same, same with the plants, we can replace chemical fertilizer with our organic fertilizer, uh, with better yield, also better uh, micro uh, uh, biot in the soil, so better uh, biodiversity in the soil. Uh, same for pets, we can replace uh, chicken uh, offals and uh, with better palatability and also uh, hypoallergenic uh, uh, benefits. And finally, on humans, we benchmarked it mainly towards milk, which is the golden standard. And few research published recently showed you can fully replace milk with our product. It's, it's on humans, on real humans, on, uh, on 30 people. Uh, it was uh, digested as fast as milk and generating as fast mi uh, muscles than milk. And even when the people were doing sports, the regeneration of muscle was even faster. 
So that's one example. Uh, we could replace also uh, uh, um, in uh, more in a, in a preclinical trial in mice as human model mice uh, feeding milk or, in, or insect feed, better growth I would say, but also reduction of cholesterol and fat also accumulation. So in the mice. Benefits. So there's a lot of benefits, and so the nutritional benefits are are, are, are great. The digestibility, pro, nutrition profile, but also some health benefits. So we are we are big believers in human food. It's small today. It's not the core focus, but it will take off, and we are preparing this because it will take off uh, in a couple of years. That that's good to know. And looking at today, right from today's perspective, the real technical hurdle in that insect farming space seems to be to monitor and accelerate the reproduction of insects. Is that correct? Oh, the the, the technology was one is about reprodu reproduction. I think is one indeed because able to generate good quantities and quality of eggs is an important one for any animals. But the same for the plants. Being able to, when you mm -hmm. masterize how you, you the seed productions is a critical part of the life stage. So yes, reproduction is critical. Uh, I think now we we but we have been able to develop the growth stage from baby larvae to the big larvae that are processed into products with automation where designing a vertical farm with an efficient HVAC, so the systems that generate, uh, uh, um, manage the air, air system, how you cool down the farm or heat the farm, uh, bring oxygen, remove uh, the carbon dioxide uh, in this vertical farm. It was a complex one, so we have been through also this, uh, this uh, technological hurdles. And the processing also uh, still was how to separate the, the, and make the best of the insect um, the, the, the different streams, how can I do the uh, improve the quality of the proteins, the good, the yield of separation with the oil and the proteins, what can I do also aside as the size streams. So still a lot of research happened there to increase value. Uh, but overall, I will say uh, overall, uh, everything and, and masterizing all this pipe together, which no other industry is doing. You don't find it, you don't see in a single place uh, eggs a chick uh, 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 laying heads, uh, laying hands, uh, uh, eggs hatching place with the from the baby chicks to the to the chicken and then the slaughterhouse and then the processing to the fillets of chicken. You never see that in the single place. We do all of that in the single place in different warehouses, but all together, and that that has been finally a, a, a complex one to manage this internal supply chain because in terms of software management and production following the production when you deliver the customers with final goods ingredients you need to have all the traceability and 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 follow everything from from the eggs so we have all this the erp follow everything uh, x x2 ingredients and uh, no other players do that in any other uh, uh, uh say industry so that's it's, also one complexity of our model it speaks to the defensibility of your model and why something that looks like very capital intensive up front, it takes hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions mm. to, to reach yep. that scale. But it, then it becomes defensible towards the rest of the startup landscape, but also to food giants that cannot yeah. today outperform with their enormous production capacity uh, because there is huge complexity to, to entry. And I read yeah. that Insect is filing more patents it's finding at a ridiculous rate. You're in the top 10 of all companies across all sectors in France. Is that the mm -hmm. secret of your yeah, no, no, speed we are, we are and in of the your top success? 10. 
top 10 of the I think the younger companies because then you don't count I think uh, Peugeot and, uh, right. and other companies the huge conglomerates uh, um, conglomerates but we are in the top 10 there and we are the first in the in the insect portfolio and we are 350-ish now patents filed in the world, which is uh, half of the total insect portfolio. So if you look to all the other guys, so it highlights indeed um, the investment we've made in uh, in uh, in uh, IP because it's a good way to protect your innovation. And we have innovative we have innovated a lot on all this food the chain I mentioned before. Um, so it's a good thing to today because tomorrow uh, it's a good uh, defense and mm-hmm. also a good. Uh, um, it's attractive to uh, other companies and we are discussing uh, joint venture models tomorrow, may, maybe franchising the model. If you have the IP, then you are good and strong and, and it's attractive for partners That's compared right. to companies without IP. Uh, and right. if we want to deploy the model and make a very big impact for climate and biodiversity, we will anyway need to rely on existing infrastructures, existing companies that can boost with their own supply chain the adoption and more the deployment, the deployment of further units, uh, with their also own capital, own infrastructure, etc. So having the IP will help to leverage that. Yeah, let's talk about expansion, and this is one way through IP. Another way is through a geographical expansion. And you mm-hmm. recently announced a deployment of a farm in the US. Why did you pick the US over other other European nations? And is this your strategy to absorb large market share globally? To plant the flag and then we, build farms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we acquire a smaller company uh, than Proti Farms, so a company called Jord, because indeed they were all, they were active in a small market, but a very good niche, which is the chicken feed, the premium chicken feed market in the US. That was really attractive to us. Plus, they were in the US. Uh, beyond that, in the Midwest, uh, which we think will be a key area for development in the future. Mm-hmm. We are discussing with different partners and players there. I think it makes sense to be there at some point. Um, uh, so we have also different uh, projects in the pipeline in terms of location. And as a, we are a small company, we cannot handle and be anywhere, everywhere in the same time. But for sure, we will be there. Uh, the US is are the largest uh, uh, ag countries in the world, the, also the most advanced financial place. Uh, so it makes sense to be present there somehow in, in terms of sales, in terms of production. I think it makes a lot of sense to be there. So uh, Europe by France is in the top five, uh, Netherlands too, in terms of agriculture and food. Um, but the US is, uh, is number one. So I think it makes a lot of sense to be there in terms of science. The research in France, in, uh, in RAE, AgroParitech, is one in the top three with Vareningen mm-hmm. in Netherlands and with a university like UC Davis in the US that you have also the best science and the best training centers also for engineers uh, and technicians in the food space. Here, here, let's wave our flags. Hi, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious now how you prepared your company for this international expansion and growth in general. What structural shift did you have to make internally? Did you have to hire certain roles to enable yeah. growth? Or did you have to yeah. install the hunger for growth in your, in your trenches? How and did you we, that we, the company moved from a pure R&D centric, which was critical at the beginning, to a multi-centric, I would say, a company with the sales being coming, the, the finance, the, the operation, engineering and operation, of course because we had to do not only to develop the Burgundy small site and then the big site in, uh, in France, in Amiens, uh, and then for 
for growth. Indeed, we had now we built a development team, uh, and we go we we brought really uh, great people there. Uh, we have Shankar Krishnamurti, who was at the executive committee of NG, who joined then a year ago after mm-hmm. after NG. He was he used to deploy a, a dozen of billions of capital. I will say in the expenditures in the um, in the energy sector and uh, in Europe, in Middle East, in Asia. So he's, he he has the I will say the the, the habits and uh, what needs to be done in terms of process to deploy capital uh, in uh, uh, for factories. And few other people joined some uh, some of my ex colleagues and others that are really keen that with uh, experience for other French, uh, Belgium, Canadian, uh, having this kind of uh, support. British also, where we have uh, we have this kind of uh, yeah we, we grew the team basically, uh, and that was supporting me uh, to the, the executive uh, executive level uh, to also some experts in different areas to be able to manage the growth and new project, new a pipeline of new projects. So now we have two pipelines, the pipeline of customers for our products and the pipeline of to, to locate further projects and alone, as standalone or with partners uh, and to share the investment in this uh, further new farms. Now you've reached a point, right, of inflection. Every startup mm-hmm. founder wants to reach that point. It's much harder than it sounds. I'm sure there's been a, a few setbacks. What are some of the biggest learnings, positives or, or negatives from the last three years trying to scale that production? Anything that you um, now know that you wish you had known three years ago? Um, manufacturing is very complex, especially when you do it during COVID. <laughs> so, I mean, it could be, you could have easier time than COVID. That increased the difficulties from uh, availability of supplier, availability of raw material, uh, for something that is that has never been done, so the, the flexibility of the suppliers and their adaptability in a very tense time wa- was not easy. I think it's something that uh, we have learned, and hopefully it will be better in the future. But we don't know. COVID is still there. You have a war now, so you have you have, you have uh, uh, turbulences after turbulences. So we need to live in this kind of world that could be. Uh, that 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 is like this. So at least we have been trained uh, in this difficult environment, and to be able to manage multi suppliers, it's almost three, three hundred suppliers uh, are in uh, in uh, for Amiens. So it's a lot to manage. Um, we could have we relied a lot on uh, experts also at some point externally, and um, before hiring you know internally progressively. So I think we could have in, uh, internalized faster some uh, key uh, aspects of the business and the skills and knowledge uh, than relying on consulting firms on some technical aspects that's uh, that was also a big learning um, and uh, also to hire faster always a high hire faster than you think because when you manage growth at some point you uh, it goes always faster than what you think so anticipate more but indeed, you need to do good points, not too fast, but still often it's not fast enough. And then you, you, you struggle the time to, uh, to get Growing the people pains, and, uh, and, and organize and, and, and bringing and evolve the organization with all the team and the culture that evolves for that. And the fact that you get multicultural also was a big challenge from right. pure French with Dutch, with Americans and with mother, a lot of other nationalities, as I mentioned, uh, was something. And we that know how the French liked it. To, to keep it local. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, not, it was not easy and uh, to uh, to manage expectations on the different uh, 
from the, on the different parts, even though the, our R&D was already pretty multinational with almost 20 nationalities, we, yes, it was not the case everywhere. And uh, we learned a lot on how we build together with other nationalities, uh, a common goal, common practices, common culture. So, so big learning there. Nice. All right. I wanted to take a step back and then feed the community and their hunger for insights. And you've said that there's a taboo of money still in Europe, and I would probably abide by this point. We, you and I, are a new breed of entrepreneurs and investors, and we're trying to reconcile activism and business, mm -hmm. which have been antagonical so far. And for that, we need to leave that taboo uh, around money for impact startups. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate? Sure, I think it's an important topic. Uh, uh, we find we find ourselves, and we think we are indeed activists because we we are uh, shipping the new lines, uh, and we we will not we will not be able to make the the world we need only with politicians, only with scientists, only with NGOs um, and uh, large corporates. I mean, the, you need technology uh, to address the different big challenges. And technology, disruptive technology, generally it's comes costly. with new newcomers. Newcomers, it has been the case with the first industrial uh, revolution, the second industrial revolution, the third one. You have new players coming uh, and create new new markets, and the the the, the other previous ones are are following if they manage or disappearing. Uh, so, we I think. Most of the now stakeholders understand that uh, um, the U.S. was the first. You have the Israel with its big startup nation, Sweden, of course, UK, mm -hmm. Germany uh, was more advanced than France. And uh, in the past 10 years, we could see the shift in France from just a few initiatives and few successes uh, like Price Minister and, and, uh, and then later Criteo. And then in the past five years, an acceleration through this French tech label and the structuration at Europe at French level with BPI, who's, who, who poured money in uh, funds, uh, funds of funds, and uh, to 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 feed this pyramid of innovation that is that is critical and helping, uh, and then other funds to come, uh, and then at some point entrepreneurs to get successful and sell their companies and reinvest with their own fund, uh, as as uh, mentioning. Uh, uh, Prime Minister also, uh, uh, Pierre Cossisso-Morizet could reinvest with his own fund and to the community. So this is the, what happened in the Silicon Valley. Uh, the best funds are eventually uh, entrepreneurs' funds in a way okay. that they, because they are really performing and they understand the business. But they, I think we need a mix. We need a public fund. We need corporate funds, entrepreneur funds. And uh, today is still a bit uh, uh, not as balanced like that. And explaining and, and showing to the to the French community, European community, uh, I think as the government try to do, it's not startup, it's not just fun stuff. It's create jobs. I think uh, a few months ago, before the elections, it was like 20,000 jobs uh, to be filled up by the, the uh, to be recruited by the French tech companies. So it started to be significant at the mm -hmm. country level uh, in terms of. Uh, uh, attractiveness for the young generation and uh, just uh, employees uh, that, that they could come not on, not go only to corporates and not go only to the the, the states uh, agencies but also think about smaller companies and that needs indeed money to grow and uh, there is no taboo there and we need to, to explain and uh, this is uh, this is something we need to to show that makes sense for the state to invest 
and you, you you have lost on the way. You have this uh, Darwinian process. You have companies that will not success succeed, but because they don't succeed, also it's it's explain uh, it shows to the other how to succeed, and uh, and and it's like this that an ecosystem evolves uh, positively. So that's right. That's right. We've definitely seen that in Silicon Valley. I was part of it. We've spoken mm. in previous episodes about the, the the critical need to create a liquid capital capital market and for mm. for money to be recycled from entrepreneur to entrepreneur. Yeah. I wanted also to touch on the second part of of that taboo money and the connection between activism, positive impact, and capital. Did you succeed mm. at Insect aligning all your stakeholders, the investors that are looking for a financial return, but also the desire to drive enormous impact and 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 but to that's the philosophy of, that's the philosophy of the company this is how we funded it to show that we can align business and ecology and uh, and good for the people and uh, actually everything has been so i try to summarize it with a, for a colleague journalist laurent uh in this book uh, for the planet uh people and profits so it's a manifesto Going from uh, the with the story of insect and everything we were discussing about uh, sort of taboo of money till the how you make an impact how 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 you do it we we are a big corp company uh, every year we improved our score uh, big corp score we 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 could create I would say um, uh, value growth for our, for our investors some of them could sell some of their shares to and uh, with a with um, uh, an improvement of valuation so they they gain. Uh, there we have customers. They deliver with good products, and they can switch to this kind of uh, new materials compared to others and improve their sustainability, uh, improve the product quality they have. Of course, we have um, we have our team, and we try to build the, the, one of the best places to work uh, with such different social innovation from. You know, people being shareholder of the company. We have a shareholder shareholding uh, uh, holding. Um, uh, we raise the minimum wage, thirty-five uh, percent to twenty-five thousand euros for all operate many operators uh, in the plant. That is a big change for from eighteen to twenty-five. Makes a big change for people at this uh, at this level. Uh, we um, uh, we what we we pay the um, the paternity leave paternity leave of ten weeks for the fathers or the second parents uh, as, as long as mothers so it rebalance also uh, the um, the life between uh, men and women also at home and in, at work in terms of access to promotion evolution in the company uh, we really uh, signed recently uh, uh, with other next 40 companies and uh, leading uh, startups uh, the uh, this uh, commitment to improve even more uh, parity gender equality uh, also in the within the tech uh, sector and that's an example uh, promoting you that. You've advocated so to to, to mm. clarify, you've advocated the rest of the next forty next forty companies to uh, align their their incentives. So we we are, we are commi- we have committed to different uh, stuff like uh, like you know uh, uh, deploying like spokespersons that are also men and women uh, training the people to uh, uh, no no BS in terms of uh, mm-hmm. of managing so in management or in recruitment um, also uh, improving again the uh, the paternity leave when possible for companies so there there are a lot and you can find them on the next 40 announcement was a few days ago with the French tech okay. uh, how how we try to improve indeed uh, this uh, the, the gender equality. It was a That's call great. from a lot of CEO of the next 40, but a lot of things we've done internally to improve also the, the, the I would say the, the working conditions. 
So you see, you can be good for the shoulders, good for the customers, good for your people, and of course, good for the planet. We have products that are suitable and good for the planet. It's measured. Everything is measured in our company with KPI. Uh, we do life cycle assessments. We can, we, each product is measured compared to benchmarks and the gain in carbon, the gain in water, uh, the gains in biodiversity we have. Uh, compared to beef for if it's human food or to milk, compared to fish meal uh, for feeding plants, compared to chemical fertilizers. And we could prove that it's saving tons of carbon, like 200 times less on beef uh, compared uh, compare to uh, in, in human food. This is uh, uh, same for the for the chemical fertilizer. We, can, we are with our fertilizer, a real carbon sink. So we are not only lower, but we are absorbing carbon back in the, in, back in the soil, uh, into the soil. So all these elements That's can great. prove you can be good for the planet, good for the people, and good for the for the profit and valuation of the for the shareholders. Absolutely, and it's good that you're showing the way. And by the way, we're gonna link everything in the show note. Your book, that is Thanks. very inspiring. The next forty announcement. And, uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, it's nothing for me because all the uh, the royalties goes to the United United Nations for refugees. The, okay. the purpose initially was to help uh, climate migrants. But as you know now, the UN HCR is highly involved with the Ukrainian war, so it's also a way to uh, to give some uh, some support. help to the to the people there. Another way to support is to open stores as much as you can, because you have reached a critical size. It's not the case of uh, the 99% of founders out there that are probably listening. Uh, they would love to get inspired from how you measure things, how you align incentives, mm. how you create yeah. uh, you know, uh, gender equality internally. Anything you mm. can share is super helpful, and we will make sure to link productive yeah. and helpful uh, insights in the show notes. Uh, another taboo that uh, you've spoken about and I wanted to, to come back to is the taboo of industrialization. The fact that in the, especially in the agri-food sector, it is necessary to lift that uh, taboo around industrialization. Over the last four decades, we've rejected the industrial model and exported it all to China. How do we fix that now? Since you're, you're hands-on on trying to reindustrialize France, but also mm. Europe, give us a reality check. How, how difficult is it? No, it, it is difficult because still indeed, uh, we lost some, no, even if we have good knowledge in Europe, we lost a lot uh, with this, uh, exports uh, of production in China and the, the, the or East Europe, far, far East Europe. And I think if we want to address the biggest challenges of this time on climate and others, you need to beat locally to, to you cannot do for everything from, but for, we can do for more for renewable local energy to rely less on natural gas from Russia, local proteins to rely less on South American, I would say soy, which is leading to deforestation. Um, you, you can generate local fertilizer to avoid again the fertilizer from Russia and others. And same for the microchips and the different uh, political also acts uh, being uh, implemented by the European Union to be uh, less dependent. But we will need a lot of capital to build all these uh, factories in Europe, a lot of knowledge, a lot of people. And but it's good for employment. Uh, I think if we are at uh, this level of employment, unemployment in France compared to Germany is also because of the difference of manufacturing, uh, uh, I would say, ecosystem. Um, especially, you know, there, there were so many uh, big factories around the cities and then they, st they stopped and a lot of people within the suburbs lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also maybe uh, if you see this, the, the French suburbs that are a bit unstable uh, sometimes, but then it's also the reason if people, the level of unemployment is very really high. 
and if the people could have jobs and the, the, the industry needs to go back and they, they, it will be really a massive support to reduce the carbon footprints by producing locally with less uh, in, instead of externalizing your footprint to China. You do it locally with the most advanced technologies. If you bring it back to Europe and France, anyway, it has to be highly technical, uh, high tech because the labor is more expensive than in China or in Thailand or in, or in Vietnam or Bangladesh. So you need to be more high tech. So higher technologies, but at least it's, it's, uh, you, you can do it here in a, in a profitable way. And it's, in, and it's creating jobs that you lost, you know, lost in the past 40 years. And when okay. you see, you look at the screens and the TVs, the people are always picking politicians of the past 40 years. One of the biggest difference in the past 40 years is the, the, the erosion and the disappearance of the manufacturing world. You can read also the, could recommend the last book by Nicolas Dufour for the, 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 the boss of BPI, uh, just wrote a book about this, the, this collapse of the manufacturing world in France from the 90s to today. So that's, that's, that's it. And, but there is, there is everything now the, 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 the there to rebuild it. And uh, we have the network of engineers. It could give a lot of jobs to uh, to a lot of people. And manufacturing is not um, is not the old uh, factories of the 19th centuries or early 20th centuries, uh, dirty, dangerous, uh, uh, you know, and with bad uh, bad salaries. No, the the no average wage are higher than the the average wage in France, higher than in services. Uh, the jobs now, the, clean, the factories are so clean uh, you can eat on the ground, um, mm -hmm. and and also the is way less painful because many, mainly is automated. So, and, and what was Nicolas Dufour was was saying, what I found a good experience instead of sitting uh, uh, with at your office and your and not good for your health, etc. In the factories, you move, you you, right. you act with your arms, you act with your hands, and you have legs, uh, and, any, everywhere, anyways. <laughs> and you have these small screens, but it's like a gamification. So it's like you have your 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 phone, and uh, you you do your social networks and uh, Instagrams and others, uh, uh, other too, or TikTok and others, and you find the same can similar similar or say um, uh, softwares. Professional softwares for the for the company, so the young generation is not lost. I mean, they 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 are used very much. So you have this gamification that goes, yeah. and that makes also attractive. So it's not boring. Again, you move, you try, you do, you you are in a plant. You have the, the, the connection with the others. You don't, uh, you you are not uh, uh, weightless uh, using a, a lot of manual activities because of automation. So it's it should be more attractive. We should spend way more time to advert in terms for the jobs there, and it's everywhere in France. It's not not only in Paris, uh, on Paris. It's it's on all the territory. A lot is happening in North of France where we are, but I'll see a lot in Brittany, in the east, in the southwest also happening in the east. So the, this is really exciting, and people uh, need to think way more for the the young generation now in the study needs to think way more that that this is, could be a great opportunity, and they could contribute by donating these companies to the new, and we will say the new economy that will be, I uh, will say, more compatible with the planet boundaries, uh, with the gigafactories that is happening now for, 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 um, uh, for batteries uh, and uh, what we do in order for new green materials and uh, everything. It's uh, you have, you're, everyone has a, a, a place there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And well, thanks for pointing that out. There are hundreds, if not thousands of jobs available. I get asked every week, how do I penetrate climate tech? How do I align my career with my values? And that's practically what we're trying to do. You as an entrepreneur, we invest in in positive uh, climate positive companies. And I've actually assembled the resources to the guide to uh, the job boards, but also giving techniques for people to transition their career away from corporate and bullshit jobs into uh, mm. meaningful and value-oriented meaningful jobs. Purpose-driven, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Antoine. Your trajectory as a person, but also as a company, is hugely inspiring. And thank I you. want to thank you for coming on the show, sharing all uh, all you do. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. It was great to, to chat today. Hopefully, it was useful. And, uh, and if we Absolutely. could convince a few, a few uh, young guys that they could create a company, make a, make a difference or others to join this kind of companies, uh, we will have win. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. Ciao, ciao. Thanks, Antoine. And to all of you guys, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Johan. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Climate Insiders, the leading climate tech podcast in Europe. If you've enjoyed this, be sure to subscribe at climateinsiders.co. Climate Insiders is brought to you by Clementum Capital, a late seed to Series A Climate Tech VC. To learn more about Clementum Capital, apply for funding, or become an LP, visit clementum.com.